It's lonely because when it's two o'clock in the morning and everything's just gone horribly wrong, the person you wanted to be there to support you through it is the person you're looking after. I married a man who already had a disability. Um, he, he had epilepsy already, but, well, you know, <laughs> I was 20. <laughs> we, we were in love and I couldn't imagine life without him. So, yeah, we, we married. We were very, very happy for a long time. But and that was despite of his ongoing disability. And we had children. But then everything changed at 20 years ago. Um, he had a fall during a fit and he ended up in Trelisk who failed to manage his um, epilepsy. He ended up in intensive care for three days on a ventilator. Um, he got a blood clot in his leg because he wasn't moving post-operatively. And he got MRSA, he had pneumonia. So three months later when he came home, he wasn't a man in his 50s, fairly active as he had been. He was like an old man of 90 odd. And I lost my husband at that point. He, was, he just wasn't my Terry anymore. And I've never got that person back. The first 20 years of our marriage, yes, Terry had epilepsy. It was something we were used to, it was part of our lives. He was always of, I'm all right. Yes, I've had a fall, but bumped my head, but don't worry about it. I'm all right. He'd pick himself up and carry on. And he went from, from that and say to being like a very frail old man. It's, um, it's affected his memory. He's now much more dependent. He, was, he doesn't go out on his own anymore. There have been periods when he's lost his memory because this is the nature of the, the epileptic fits. He, um, they damage his brain and then gradually the neural pathways will regrow and he'll be able to be a little more active and independent, but each time it gets worse. So it's like waves, he gets a bit better, he gets a lot worse, he gets a bit better from that, and then he gets worse again. So, and it's caused behavioral problems as well, which he can't help. <laughs> yeah, I do everything, I think for him on a, on a hot day. He doesn't know that he shouldn't be wearing two winter coats and a woolly hat and a pair of gloves. On a winter's day, he sees the sun shining. He doesn't realise that he needs his winter coat and his hat and his gloves. So I have to think for him. Um, same with foods. He doesn't realise when foods are too hot. Um, lots of things. You know, you might not notice if his clothes aren't, aren't tidy. Or, uh, lots of things. I have to manage his medication. And of course, when it comes to running the household, I don't everything. I'm responsible for all the bills, the shopping, the cleaning, decorating the house, doing the garden. There is nothing that he now helps me with. We're not a partnership anymore. It's just me <laughs> looking after him on top of everything else. The hardest thing out of all of it is that I've lost my best friend. The person that used to support me is gone. That's the worst of it. Because we were best friends, you know? And that's what a good marriage is built on, is, is friendship. And that's gone. He can't support me emotionally. He's not my intellectual uh, equal anymore. So we don't have those 
long conversations that we used to have. Um, it's lonely because when it's two o'clock in the morning and everything's just gone horribly wrong, the person you wanted to be there to support you through it is the person you're looking after. And yeah, it's a very lonely place to be. And it can be frightening to be on your own when things are going badly wrong and there's nobody there for you. To be honest, I mean, yes, I walked into a marriage with a disabled person, but it was just him and me and it was our life and it was our normal way of life and just got on with it. When everything went wrong 20 years ago, I suddenly found out that there is support, <laughs> that there are such things as, well, even support from social services, which I didn't have before. I'd been a carer for 20 odd years and I didn't have any support from anywhere. It was only when he ended up in hospital so terribly ill that they started looking, oh, we need a care basket, <laughs> we, need, we need to be looking at support here. But even then, you know, yes, there was support when he came out of hospital. But as things improved and I was coping, so that drops away until the next crisis. And it wasn't until I had a crisis of my own through the stress, through years and years of worry and so on, and being in a very bad place, that I became very, very desperate myself, that it suddenly sort of came to the notice of the powers that be that he was a, a carer who needs help. I had um, care support worker assigned and that, that was a, that's been a great blessing. That's made a big difference and carer support groups and that kind of a thing. But I went through all those years of not knowing that that was there. I'm lucky that my husband goes to a daycare centre. Then they changed the days <laughs> that he could go and the day that I wanted to be able to go to the care support group, I didn't have care. <laughs> but when I spoke up to social services and said that I really wanted to go to this care support group, they rearranged things so that I was able to go. So yeah, if I didn't have that support, no, I couldn't go to a support group. And I think there must be a lot of carers who don't have support in place that they can actually go to the support group that they need. But it seems like you have to shout to, in order to get the help that you need. And if you don't know that the help is out there, you don't know that you can ask. Or you think, oh, I shouldn't ask. There's somebody worse off than me that must need it more than me, because I used to be like that. That's absolutely the most important thing in keeping me going. Support groups are great, because we all walk in there and we can have a damn good moan, because we all know what it's like. And you can talk about being up half the night cleaning up or talking about the difficulties that we've had during the day. And there's always going to be somebody there that knows who can say, yeah, I've been there. And yeah, sometimes it's just commiserating and sometimes it's like, yeah, have you tried doing so-and-so? And somewhere along the line, somebody will crack a joke and we always end up laughing and we always go out feeling a lot better for it. So the support group's brilliant. But the, the other thing is, for me, getting one evening a week when I could have a sitter changed everything. Because when you're caring, I mean, I'm lucky that my husband goes to daycare, but all the things that I used to do happen in the evening. So not being able to go out in an evening, I lost all my friendships, lost touch with everybody that I'd ever been in contact with on a friendly basis. 
became very isolated and very alone, which made me depressed. And when you're depressed, you don't want to do anything and you just drag through the days doing what you've got to do, housework and cooking and the caring. And you, you I lost my identity. I forgot who I was. The person I used to be was, was as gone as, as much as my husband's identity was gone. And then having a, a bit of a breakdown, tearfully, with social services one day, um, I think it might have been having a carer's assessment at the time, she said, well, if you could do anything, what would you like to do? I said, well, I used to be studying for my Cornish language. I, I, I passed three grades with distinction, and I was heading for my fourth grade, and I had to give that up. And maybe it was because I was, it was mentioning an exam, I don't know. But, but she said, oh maybe we could arrange for you to have a sitter one evening and you could go to your class. Brilliant. So I went back. God, I had to get a lift arranged so that I could actually get to the class, which was quite a distance away, but got it all in place. And I met people that I'd known before. I actually ended up with the woman that I started my very first lesson setting beside. So, yeah, we forged those friendships. Couldn't think of any... My brain was dead. Um, I couldn't think, I couldn't study, I couldn't remember anything. Because I hadn't used my brain in so long. But I stuck with it and gradually it all started to come back. What I'd learned in the past, it was like I needed to be reminded. But once I'd had a reminder, it came back. So my brain started coming back to life. And as my brain came back to life, I felt like I was coming alive again. And I was getting a social life of something because we didn't just sit and study, we chatted as well about you know, daily day things. And then my little group, there was three of us all studying for the same grade. We actually need more than this class. So we started meeting during the daytime, once a fortnight, to have a little extra study. And then other people in the class a year or two later started saying, We don't get enough conversation. I said, Well, we're grown-ups. We can do this for ourselves. We don't need teacher to tell us what to do. Let's have a get-together of ourselves. So we now do that. And we've been doing that for a few years now. And uh, so there's a group of us meet every Monday morning to, to speak in Cornish and to help each other along. And my friend and I passed our fourth grade. We became bards last year, bards of the Cornish Gorseth, wonderful honour. We're now Cornish language teachers. We still go to another class during the daytime when my husband's in daycare, where we're still studying further. And my whole life has opened up. It's completely opened up. I'm also doing work at home because of my now proficiency in the language. I'm helping with a place name project, looking at Cornish language in the place in Cornish place names, field names. Um, I'm doing that. I've expanded that study into family names, surnames, and the origins of those in Cornwall. And I've now been asked to support um, a research group for the signage panel, which is that's all work I can do at home on my computer. But I wouldn't have started to do any of that if I hadn't had that one evening to go to that one class to start studying again. And my life is so totally different now to what it was before I got that one evening and week off. Providing I've done my job and made sure that he is in a safe place and that he's happy, because that's the other thing, that it's not, 
it can't be about me going out to have fun and leaving him miserable at home or whatever. So he has a sitter that he loves and really looks forward to her coming and they do nice things together that he wouldn't do with me. So, so he's getting something out of it as well. So yeah, I know that he's safe, that he's happy. Therefore, yes, I can come away and think, I don't need to think about that. And I can be me. And I am a different person. I, I feel like a different person. The walk home, that's my transition period. <laughs> and that's me leaving one world and transitioning back to the other.